0: To chill, a show about business, crime, parapolitics, and esoterica with your host, Jimmy Fallon
1: Gong. Oh, it, it, I feel uncomfortable because I see people saying like it's the definitive book, but I feel like there's not a lot. That, I mean, there's circumstances that are undeniable, but there is no conclusion because, yeah, there is none, you know. I got what's earthly, like what is provable is provable, and and, and that is conclusive. But things like this um, are not, I I don't draw a conclusion because I don't have one.
2: Yeah, like you would have to have access to all the government archives to basically be able to say this is the conclusive version, which no one will ever really have, right?
1: No, right. Um, uh, on, on on that, like one thing I, I did forget to say was that McVeigh himself sped up. Well, first of all, he sped up. He, he actively wanted to speed up his execution, but also he chose to be cremated and actually went through a legal battle so that there would be uh, no autopsy performed on his body and he would be immediately cremated.
2: Just a normal thing you do.
1: Yeah. His well, I don't know what one of the attorneys, and this is the one that was like he's kind of hard to deal with, but just mm, personally, I guess, but uh like what he said was like, Well, he just didn't want, you know, his grave to be a shrine um for people. But like that doesn't explain the autopsy. Um
2: Yeah, no, that doesn't really correlate
1: if, if if he was spirited away even just briefly to shore up the experiment and then like whack him uh, you couldn't have an autopsy because someone performing it or you, you would be dead right so you can't it's just one of, it's just one more thing that like makes it weird I guess
2: it's just one of those things I guess
1: <laughs> I guess yeah <laughs> <laughs> probably
2: nothing weird going on
1: i don't know nothing no nothing at all it's probably exactly like i would read i just what i suggest is just read american terrorist
2: yeah on, between american terrorist and whatever tubin says you know it's Assault. split the difference and
1: uh there you go that's it know, nothing more there's nothing more to say um <laughs> Certainly no questions. Everything's definitive.
2: Amazing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my God, we really we really got to the end of that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. So Wendy, my listeners, right? My audience, pretty well acquainted with the concept of Gladio. The stay behind networks in Europe theoretically created to stop a soviet invasion and then you know along the same lines also created to stop the rise of communism or even socialism or even certain forms of social democracy within europe and then also gladio programs which ended up being the pretext or driver for various crimes and acts of terrorism and trafficking of drugs and you know potentially even, like, trafficking of, like, children and all that. Like, my audience knows what Gladio is, right? Yes. My hypothesis, right, is that...
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Basically, Gladio was part of a broader thing. Gladio, in a very particular sense, was, like, specifically, like, the Italian context but like there were comparable programs in other countries but like that was you know really only half of an overall thing so like they were burying weapons and like preparing for possible soviet invasion and when that never happened then they would just tap on these networks to do all kinds of you know strategy of tension you know years of lead type of stuff to basically keep the italian Communist Party from, like, coming to power, basically. But the point was that, like I was mentioning with the Japanese acts of terrorism prior to World War II, there were these multiple high-profile acts of terrorism in Italy, some of which were false flags. You know, they would say that, oh, the, the anarchists did it, or the communists, but, like, frequently it was actually the neo-fascists but the point is that this created such a you know cauldron of instability that like the electorate basically was content with like the ruling coalition the christian democratic party or whatever just staying in power during a period where like by all accounts the italian communist party would have won long story short, the point is that at least in Europe, it sure seems like doing these acts of terrorism created conditions where certain cliques could maintain political control. And my contention, basically, is that the Oklahoma City bombing, what do we know that it did, right? It like increased the budgets of the Agencies that were investigating or involved in it, it created legislation that led to like the Patriot Act. It's you know created the idea of like right wing terrorism. You know, gr- granted, like there was a pre existing like notion or whatever, but it like gave a new boogeyman for people to be afraid of. It created all these pretexts for a certain clamping down. On the right and on the left it was leveraged, you know, as well. Like I don't know. Like it, it doesn't exactly make sense to call it domestic gladio. It's almost more like this is just business as usual in a certain sense. Uh like I really, really liked your book because focusing on specifics like North Star and PatCon really seemed more fruitful than like a nebulous quote unquote domestic gladio, right? I'm kind of just like blathering on, but uh <laughs> did you have any thoughts on what I said?
1: Yeah, but let me gather them. Um mm-hmm. I just I do feel like that, like to answer that question any good way I would uh I might need to to like go back and read everything new that was put out and everything I already read but forgot um I'm looking at a Peter L. Scott Mm. (laughs) the the one that Peter L. Scott wrote that's called 9-11 the JFK assassination and the Oklahoma City bombing as a strategy of tension Mm.
0: um
1: you have players you have uh Virulent anti-communists that are actively involved um, in burying weapons, in establishing networks, in maintaining long-standing anti-communist networks in the United States. That, like Roger Moore, like Jekyll, appear to like kind of activate at certain times, or you know they're not. Well, in the case of Jack Olify, he's not always active, it, it, but that's his origins. And ultimately, like he wants again enacts them later. Um, the networks are there, so like at first I can see the parallel between these stay-behind networks that can be activated at certain points in time mm-hmm. to um instigate or directly cause. Events that then had the effect of serving the powers that be. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm just really. I'm actually now. I'm just restating what you said uh, in other words. I I ask. Okay, you're you're asking me that question. I'm asking myself. Well. And I think this is a mistake. I think it's stupid when I see people be like, oh, it's the Clinton administration. Not that I fucking (laughs) like the Clintons because fuck them. But it's bigger than that. Like uh, it kind of is almost across the party lines of what, you know, they.
2: Mina was operating before the Clintons. Yeah.
1: Yep. Before, after, like these things that they almost seem to. I'm not saying there's no difference or the like, but like ultimately mm-hmm. they all it's power right it's not even necessarily always politics of power or it's not politics as we as united states citizens that are told to vote understand power it's the larger conglomerate like they can get together and uh impose more control and make more money together. Making, they can come together sometimes. It's almost too big for me because they passed the, the Effective Death Penalty Act of 1990, Anti-terrorism and Effective Death Penalty Act of 1996, and they shored up kind of cog, continuously of government. I don't know how to make the tie between um, the domestic aspect of this and then how that I can apply it because the only way I could apply it is like uh, if they blame the left it might make sense right but in to put the to, you understand like I guess where I'm struggling here like um they blame the right why would they blame the right well it could cause panic and panic is good because it leaves people in a disoriented state where mm-hmm. you know they'll go with for they'll go along with anything but it doesn't necessarily it's not blamed on the left right so I don't know how to uh it. but it's it, it is involving the same network like a, or or some iteration of it but in the United States
2: you know I've already mentioned but like in the case of Japan, Basically, center-right forces were leveraging far-right forces to push things to the right through acts of terrorism, basically. And it's not because they wanted far-right. like It's not because they wanted an ultra-nationalist or ultra-fascist world. They wanted a center-right world that they could control. And I feel like even though these are basically like networks of like anti-communists communism has not been a major threat in the united states for quite some time so what's the other more relevant threat would probably be like you know the right so like that's why i think for one thing they're a convenient scapegoat for a variety of reasons right they like weapons and bombs more for one thing and Yeah, I feel like I'm not even being very eloquent right now either. But it's a very tough question, so I don't know.
1: It is. It is a tough question. I'm actually. I'm gonna send you the link. We just, you know, not that I'm gonna send you the link to the Peter Dale Scott. But Mm. I forgot. I mean, I read it, and I know I liked it a lot at the time that I read it. But like, uh. He does go into it, and I just, obviously, I'm not going to sit and read it right now. Um, and also, all I would be doing is, like, repeating him, but it, right. Okay, so if you're seeing that it, it just moves the goalposts, right? It moves them more, mm-hmm. It moves the goalposts.
2: And then, well, here's another angle, too, right? Like, mass trauma. Like, you know, they were studying the effects of trauma. Yes. What would mass <laughs> trauma do? Turns out, it does a lot. It makes a population more docile, actually. Like, okay, well, now we're cooking. Oh, what's that? Dr. Jolion West has, like, a trauma, like, response thing going? Like, okay, like, maybe they're studying that. Maybe they already know what it's going to do, because maybe they already did the same thing in Italy in the 70s, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, look at nine eleven, right? A lot of people that would have been anti-war, that would have been
0: mm-hmm.
1: considered themselves, considered themselves, I don't know, progressive or whatever, all got like they were traumatized to the point of like this. Let's go get them, you know. they it it it, mm-hmm. it like you said, it makes people pliable. It makes them more suggestible, and that operates on the level of the individual as well as the pop. Groups.
2: Yeah. But like, I think you're right. Like, look at nine eleven. Look at, you know, these other examples. Like, this is what something like that could be.
1: People that uh, uh, were like, we don't want uh, more legislation to allow surveillance. We don't need um, a further budget for these agencies. Like, all of a sudden, we're like, we need to please per, we need to be protected please like we need to get these guys and so okay so in the temporary like in the in the um, in the moment you think like yeah we gotta um contain these kinds of people but like as you see like that comes back around no matter who's in power it comes back and it swings back around
0: mm-hmm. um
1: to be used on whomever whenever um, it, it legit it almost in some way it legitimizes practices that were already going on, like uh Capcom. Nice. It legitimizes them. Um post right, like uh it retroactively legitimizes them. So that it never becomes a question why are why is there a multi why are there several multi agency quote unquote sting operations that lead to no arrest happening? Uh to the point where there's like in any one fucking area nations meeting, half the people are on a payroll.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How, um, like it doesn't have to be justified because the Oklahoma city bombing justifies it in, in uh, retrospect or in justifies even past ongoing actions leading to the Oklahoma city bombing. Mu- and then makes further repression and um, budgets legitimate. Yes. Does that like does that make sense?
2: No, I think that makes a lot of sense
1: because uh you know at first it's like oh let's get all these couple militias, but then it, it gets to be like a- anyone with an Arab name, you know it can be set up and now like it, it legitimizes the tactics of um, <laughs> entrapment
2: yes no it's so interesting because like when COINTELPRO was happening you know these tactics of infiltration entrapment and so forth and agents provocateurs unpopular and then due to several events like the Oklahoma City bombing, then, you know, there was more acceptance perhaps of these tactics. And then by nine eleven, people were actively mm-hmm. wanting basically COINTELPRO but against Muslims, who like vastly didn't deserve it. You know, like there is that mm-hmm. marked change in, you know, public perception of like these tactics, you know, moving towards approval, right?
1: And, and and right and like less less criticism right less mm-hmm. t- to the point where it's, it's just like um only only much later only after like the fervor of nine eleven stops to even academics start to look at this and be like whoa um how come every terrorist plot <laughs> you know what conspiracy theorists on the internet knew but like how come every terrorist plot ends up involving the fucking uh, uh, an informant an agent a plant like
2: why do we keep why? reading the phrase the shooter was known to the fbi
1: yeah how um but the scare tactic unfortunately i don't know well, like I guess I'm not susceptible to of being afraid of a terrorist attack. Uh, it's just me, but like, what, like, why does that, like, it the psychological trauma, especially of nine eleven, but before nine eleven, is Oklahoma City, and it was
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, uh, nationally devastating. Like, God, uh, it it was probably very hard for people to see violence come home on that scale here like Mm -hmm. and it was a spectacle right it's like uh it makes her good the optics are good um of course 9-11 much more so but Mm -hmm. they both lead to something very similar and they can both be used against whoever whenever because now they're in play now they're legal Mm -hmm. And now people are scared, so no one's gonna take issue, or it'll be a long time before they do. Because, like, if you've ever been punched in the face, or you know, you know, like you're kind of just dizzy for a minute, you're not, yeah, critically thinking. It bypasses that kind of trauma, whether it's visual or actual being punched in the face or something. Like it, it, at least momentarily, it bypasses your ability to be like um to make sense of things and to think critically. I think well,
2: it's funny you say that, right? <laughs> because, you know, not to always trot out the Japan stuff, but like Japanese no, no. army officers, you know, or just military officers, would frequently slap their subordinates. And then I recall also reading about MKUltra studies where basically <clears throat> Getting slapped or hit basically does, like you said, short circuit your brain. So like for at least Mm -hmm. a moment, you're susceptible to a certain type of reinforcement, typically like an abusive or negative one. And that's, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not like abusive people hit people purely out of sadism or whatever, like that's an element, but like they also do it because you can basically control people within certain parameters that way. Like it's really fucked up, but it's like basically a type of brainwashing.
1: Oh uh, yeah, it's just not as a structured. But 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 going back to bank robberies, like one of the things I mm. learned in that class was like, um, first of all, you have you have crowd control. So a lot of times, at least according to this professor, like one of the critical roles uh, is crowd control. And so what you do, it's not like someone acts up and now you have to hit them right before anyone even has like um the thought of trying to do anything pistol whip a guy or you were like or worse but you put them out of commission so that that whole crowd can see like this is what can happen um mm. you have now shocked them you have put them into a state of shock it and they are compliant and that's not like uh i'm not pulling that on my ass like that's why People do that um, in a bank robbery.
2: I just realized that that's in almost every scene, but like I never heard the theory yes. behind it. But like every bank robbery I've ever seen, like in a movie, does that. Interesting.
1: You do it right. It's crowd control, and it's mm. and it's shock. It's shock and awe, right? Mm. Shock and awe, which are which are which are technical, or these are like <laughs> right, shock and awe why shock and awe don't act up like look look what we could look like look, look look what can happen to you also now you're so fucking i don't know um messed up by what you just saw you, you haven't even begun to process it so you're so now there's time to um do what i want while you're in this state mm-hmm. and i think um, MKL, like a, a longer term type of uh, <laughs> fuckery would, would do that more structurally so you would over time do that consistently but it doesn't take consistently it takes just something throwing you into that state to make you kind of paralyzed or
0: mm.
1: not, not processing yeah uh, yeah
2: no, that makes a lot
1: of sense. I guess I can't. I and now that does. I'm sure you you can like because that's how Gladio operates. At least the spectacles, right? Um, yes. Yeah. I'm sure. Like in the next few days, like every couple hours, something's going you to know, occur to me. Like oh, uh, <laughs> like this conversation is going to continue on the. So it pop up in my head, but that's okay. That's just. That means I need to think about it.
0: Totally.
2: Moving to the more concluding questions. Uh, Speaking broadly, Wendy, Oklahoma City, (laughs) the bombing. How is your perception of these events? How has your perception of them changed as you, you know, investigated, wrote the book, and then now you're in the years, you know, after the book has been received?
1: Well, so... I I I have hardly ever like um, been willing to like kind of talk about my own personal like uh, process mm-hmm. through this. Um, but not, I think enough time has gone by where I can at least start to make sense of that process a little bit, but uh, so I would say that when I started, first of all, I didn't fucking know anything like I, 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 <laughs> I thought I had read like everything, but for one thing, I've learned that I don't know anything. <laughs> like I know, like every time I'm sure of something, I need to be extremely careful with myself because that's when uh, uh, something comes along and it's not so sure or more.
0: The
2: beginning of true wisdom, they say.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I mean, no, I'm not trying to say on lies, but that is that. that Mm -hmm. that, um i i had a much simpler idea in my head of like even thinking okay there's other people involved and okay like some weird you know i it, it became so more and more and more and more and more complex like it's i think if i have to look back i think the way i envisioned this or what i thought was going on was so simple like it it wasn't good. It was still nefarious, but it, mm. it was so simple as like if anyone if they ever listened to all of these episodes or whatever you do with them, like it becomes so sprawling and complex that now I accept the complexity of things. Mm. I and, and just as we were just discussing like uh, the powers that be. Well, first of all, when I first started, I didn't know what PatCon was. Like, I don't. right i don't even think it was like public knowledge yet at that point so like that Mm -hmm. itself changed how i could um envision this or or how like that added a lot more complexity on the existence and the revelations of of this and also that there's context like the context is so Mm -hmm. important i mean and as you see like that's how you come out with a book that big but it was like in the process i was learning how important context was um, to make sense of things. Like uh, I try to resist very simple answers because those are tricks to me. Like there's always a hidden trap in the in the in a very simple answer. My appreciation for contextual uh, information. I mean that. Why well, I wasn't born with that. And even when I started, like I that was I learned along the way. I, I learned beyond the Oklahoma City bombing I right? the, the, the bombing itself and and this look in the tunic they taught me about so many things that are contextual but related and so um mm. it I don't know like as far as my view I I guess the only thing I can really say is that um it that it is just so much more complex than and uh it 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 almost like pains me when i see simple reductions yeah i never want to be tacky enough to think i have all the answers like which is why you will hardly ever see me say something and and if i do it's because i'm certain i do think i'm certain at that moment anyways it's a hard question. Like, it's hard to turn it back in on myself and what, you know, that's hard.
2: Yeah. Especially because so much of your work is specifically about things external to you. Yeah, for sure. Um, it, Like your book kind of reminds me, and this is sort of, you know, what you were saying, like, like you can tell that like you were learning and like by the end yeah. of it, I feel like it would be grandiose to say like this is how the world works but like your book very much like gives you a good start to understanding how the world really works right maybe i'd phrase it that way
1: yeah it get me yeah i mean look just even first of all can i let, let me just really quick like are you saying that you could see me learning through as you read through the book
2: well, no, that's, that's not totally what I meant, but like.
1: <laughs> I mean, because that would be true. If you, if you picked up on that, that would be true. I just.
2: You pointed out like the early parts read more like a dissertation and like after the fact, I could yes. kind of see that structure, but like, yeah, you know, separate from that, like, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Wait a minute. Now i have just like lost my train of thought because I because I interrupted and asked you that. Um, what, I'm sorry. Say it that was like just um, had...
2: like your book is like a start to understanding how the world really works.
1: Yeah. Okay. So right. So um. So let's say like ah. Uh, this war is bad, right? Or like uh, there are yeah. things called like war crimes, right? But then, he, then the bulldozer saw something about that, that like hurt me, like uh, and then like the body count and the shifting numbers it it in the Gulf War like that impressed upon me deep more deeply how the world really works and mm. how you know I. I don't know if that is what you're saying, but that's like no, no. As far no, as I, that's right. mm-hmm. I learned. Like I, I'm learning as I go along. Um, I was honestly like probably teaching myself, like through trial and error. Like <laughs> this works, this doesn't work when you go out in the field, and no one fucking ever directed me to do anything. It was like I just was had this really burning. It was like it wouldn't let me go. I, I was like, oh my intuition, my, uh, drive, it was just like pulling me and pulling me and, and uh, yeah. and I was learning as I went. And so I made mistakes. There were times I didn't ask the right questions or, you know, there, were, but I uh, was learning, um, a lot. And I was learning not only about myself, but right. As you said, how, how the world really works. Um, not that I think I know how the world really works, but I know how that world worked yeah. and it, You know, um,
2: (laughs) like there's no manual for like writing aberration, right?
1: (laughs) Jesus, no, and I wouldn't know. You know, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I wouldn't know how. As I, as you see, so it's it's hard for me to um, talk about it because it's so it's so close to me, in me. It's like I was doing it, so it's hard. And maybe there's parts of it that I'm like. It, it it's on it's um it wasn't an easy process like and there was a lot of, there were bad things right there was traumatic things and there were scary things and there were interesting things and and it, it just seemed to like I just lived in this world of this Oklahoma City bombing and and Tim McVeigh and, and I learned like geez I didn't I would I didn't know I could research like I, I didn't know what I was doing. I uh, I learned to research through <laughs> through this. You know, I learned I could research. I actually mm-hmm. learned I could think in a way, in a sense, because I, I I didn't see myself. I wasn't. I didn't see myself as oh, you're gonna write this book someday. You know. So I'm learning in the process. And
2: I think that's well said.
1: As far as how the world works while I started out I would I was I would class I would say it was naive I have also learned like to be much more guarded um in, in, in a sense and that is a lesson that has re- been reinforced even very recently like that um this case has brought me happiness a, a, a lot of learning and um, a lot of excitement and a lot of like gratification um but it also has, like, brought a lot of pain. Hmm. Um, um, there are no, there's no reward here other than the, like, I can that I learned something and that I, I, um, hopefully, taught someone something then through the book.
2: Definitely, I think that the uh, repercussions, like the everyone reading it and like i think that like that is just such a cool thing like it's so many people <laughs> like you know are touched by the book like that's really cool
1: i can't even get I, I can't i can't i can't get my head around it because um you know after it came out and like it, it and like uh the whole fiasco which we haven't talked about yet but the mm-hmm. fiasco with like the bad version of the book and the good version of, and like how much time that consumed and how much that hurt me that i had this thing floating around that was like fucked up and it didn't have to be mm-hmm. and it almost in a sense that like could have discredited all of like a decade of my life like or something close to that but uh uh that I I, in my heart even though I was still working on the second book I had kind of in my heart been like I did what I had to do I got this on paper I put it out I did I knew I did the best I could
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um and if no one's ever going to read it like I I I, I will just move on like I will go on and so I have a strange relationship with the book itself because it, it it didn't hurt me the book doesn't agency but like I had I had uh, had, I had to lick my wounds and I had to try actually not to think about it and that was an extremely dark time after aberration came out and all the stuff with the the editing and 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 the publisher like that was Aon's uh, also another researcher like that became such a dark time that I literally at one point I was like wouldn't get out of bed almost for a year like I mean I got out to go to work but i shut mm. down i i had quit playing video <laughs> i used to love to play video games pc games specifically
2: nice what are we talking real quick
1: <laughs> oh god
2: <laughs> listeners would crucify me if i didn't ask
1: so i'm gonna say like let me make it clear i only i uh, i don't know i had some boyfriend I, it, it just became that i only liked pc games but I uh, this is so, oh, I'm so embarrassed. I played Ultima online. I actually, I, I played, it, played it, I had to give it up. So, cause I it came to the point where I would be sitting, like you know, at this point I'm an undergrad, but I would mm-hmm. be basically not doing my homework. I would be sitting in the chair for two days straight playing it. And, and it came to a point, and this is before I was working on the bombing at that point, I was studying Arthurian literature. <laughs> but nice. uh yeah, it came to a point where, uh, I was like, I can either go to school or I can play Ultima. Like it, it got really bad, so I, I gave it up, and uh, I wouldn't touch for. I mean, I played other games. Like I played Civ, I played, um, <laughs> God, you know, I yeah. I I did like RPGs, and I I loved Ultima, and that became the model. Um, boulder's gate i love boulder's gate back in the day um oh yeah (laughs) Ah.
2: see this confirms my theory that like people into this sort of thing are basically junkies but like they just (laughs) find a (laughs) vaguely more productive hobby eventually
1: (laughs) no that is uh very 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 true so at some point i had come to I, I just knew, like, I'm like, I can either die in this chair playing video games. Gosh, there was another one that I really loved and I'm blanking out on anyway, it. But anyways, it's kind of like a war strategies game. But, mm. um, <laughs> and I think that those things are useful in certain senses, like as far as being able to manage resources and stuff, like there's some practical application that, but like it, it did occur to me, like, you got a choice you go to school or you, you play video games. So I gave it up and I gave it up for, I would not go near video games, but after aberration came out, I, I, <laughs> I just like felt, first of all, I never thought beyond aberration. That was, I put every, huh, and I, I sacrifice a lot. I, I put everything into it. Like I was going to finish this and I might die on the day it was done. And that was fine. And I didn't think beyond it. So when it, not only comes out but then it's fucked up and like everything that that, that happens then like and then with the, the, all the research like it, it it was so dark I just didn't get out of bed um and I started playing video games again and that went on for about a year and I I, I was still doing like work and I was still researching I, I mean work as far as I was still researching I was dabbling but I wouldn't go in the field I did not want um I didn't want to engage the world like I was hurt and tired and um why am i talking about this right because video games so i started playing and then it came to a point again where i was like well wendy you can lay in bed and you can play fucking video games and eat or you know or you can be alive and you know like come back into the world um and and that's been a process actually and so what i want to say because you're talking about people liking the book I, i i already thought it nothing was I, I never thought that people would read it and I I still just am like a, kind of amazed so I'm happy um and I'm happy because what I wanted for the book and all I ever wanted for the book was for it to have its own legs for it to survive oh, yeah. without me you know it's like a kid like you want if you die tomorrow you want your kid to be able to survive and, and that's exactly how I felt about that book and I just always was like had a sadness that that i didn't know what was going to happen and now i i feel like the book has its own legs and no matter what happens to me it has its own legs
2: oh yeah like it makes me wonder (laughs) if herman melville felt the same way or he's just like i'm done with this moby dick bullshit but (laughs) i'm happy that people are (laughs) reading it
1: yeah 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 and because i had because that was so many years and even though I wasn't done and I still kept investigating and you know I say I laid in bed I was still doing some things I, I, yeah. it was very dark um but oh god what was i going to say but like um i that it's hard for me it's like a, if so, if if you thought someone had died and then all of a sudden they're back it puts you in a strange relationship with them because now you're like wait a minute you're not dead <laughs> i guess it's yeah. like an, an analogy it's not perfect but it's similar maybe not that i knew anyone that rose from the dead but
2: <laughs> yeah no that is interesting like <laughs> sort of a delayed reaction to your book yeah
1: Right. Like, if anything was going to happen with it, I guess I naively thought, like, it would happen, uh, you know, in the first few years. But, so, so, so I'm happy. And I'm very, Jesus, I'm very appreciative, like, very appreciative that uh, anyone that, that takes the time to read a book <laughs> that big, like, I'm just like, wow, I can't, wow. Cause I, if I pick up a book and I don't like it, I don't read it. Like I, I do. I just kind of put it. There.
2: Oh yeah, life is too short for that.
1: Oh, it's just like wow. Oh, I'm very appreciative. Um, and I'm, but now I mean I don't. So dorky, but like uh, coming coming into Twitter, into Twitter, going on Twitter like for so long, I just would not. Uh, I I. I I didn't do any interviews except for this one since 2016. I didn't engage in any public forum. I I just I, it was too painful and fucked up for me. But like what I have encountered in in Twitter has like oh geez, it it means so much to me because not only is it like oh people like my book, but it's I am learning. Like I'm I'm learning again. I get to read. I get to listen to your show. I get to look up people who post these amazing, well-researched threads, and I just feel—I uh, feel like it's almost like I'm starting to feel back to myself. And I don't want to hinge that on Twitter. I'm just saying thank you. I guess, like the people that have been supportive of my book, like um, there's a handful of people that I feel like, dude, I'm learning more from you than you can from my book.
0: Oh yeah,
1: um, and it feels good. It feels like it feels like I'm back, almost back, back where I'm supposed to be.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> that's wonderful. <laughs> whether or not you choose to claim this, right? I particularly view Aberration not only as like a valuable work of history, but I also felt like it had literary merit, you know, various stylistic choices and like, just like that, you know, I felt that way. Now. Wow. <laughs> uh, <Okay. laughs> what literary influences did you have going into writing this
1: book? Hmm. So, going into it hardly any because what i was like i I was like studying arthurian Mm. literature when at the point where this case just uh, took me um where it it became like okay first you're just looking at some news articles then you're reading books and now that's all you want to do and now like fuck arthurian literature um
2: wait real quick let me ask did any of the arthurian literature influence influence any of it in any sense
1: uh, not that no not that i am consciously aware of because i okay. i just i just like lost i t- lost total total interest and it wasn't even mm. it was probably like only a year ago that i kind of like picked some of those books just thumbed through them like i i put it aside i i uh, decided uh, this was much more interesting much more relevant much more valid much just, mm. like i i lost interest so i if there is an influence in, in it i don't know other than like maybe the chapel perilous like um mm. um having you know just general themes of like feeling like got uh, trials and like you go you have to go through darkness to get out I feel like it I, I don't think i don't think it did and if it did I'm not aware of it mm. so going in I would say I was um there, I don't I don't know that like you would call it literary influences I was influenced by like Alex Constantine who who like he, he wrote first mm-hmm. about Cal like that was influential to me and and um obviously I took that. So I took that and ran with it. Uh, that influenced me, but but along the way, um, somewhere along the way, I I read Punch and, and I read Duyu specifically, Libra. Um, but, but Punch and specifically, and specifically, and it was through the reading of Crying of Lot 49 gravity's rainbow and libra i would say there's three things mm. and then later the, the maybe the works of suzanne troyser like that i i because i struggled like i really struggled how can i write how can, i have all this mountain of shit like all this information but how can i um tell it? how can i how can i make how can mm, <laughs> how can i narrate it um I I would say Pintan and Delilo, specifically Delilo's Libra, became influential. And that was kind of a moment where I'm like, okay, you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to claim to have the truth. You can leave ambiguities when you see them and it can be somewhat poetic. Um, uh, Themes, like, so there's themes of paranoia, themes of like not nah, people not being who they say they are, being multiple people. Um so certain themes um in those works, I guess, influenced me and, uh, and and led me to understand that I didn't have to write a book in the same style as every other book or every other, you know, I didn't have to do it that way. Um Something in their poetics deeply moved me and deeply influenced me, and that's why their quotes are included in the book. Um, I don't know if that answered <laughs> the question at all.
2: No, I think no, I think so. So, hmm. so a lot of paranoia, like and ambiguity, is what I'm hearing from you.
1: That's right paranoia ambiguity um yeah the, the um but also the like interconnections so like i also mm. and i'm not saying like like the losing guitar like but the 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 rhizome, the idea here yeah i actually did um think about that part a little bit the idea of the rhizome. so you're i mean we're gonna talk maybe about the structure but that comes to bear on these influences um and especially when you're talking about probably punction or Trace, Suzanne Tracer, um, at at a certain point, like I, there was a sense of like having a lot of information and not knowing how to uh, tell it linearly. When like there's seems to be so much conflicting information, um, and there's a sense that I had to think of these stories separately, like as in dialogue with each other, and also all together. But it became very, very confusing. Um, trying to get it into a linear format uh, mm. was torturous to me. And I was like, actually, I didn't even know there was a point where I'm like, I don't even know if I can write my dissertation because I can't put, I can't package this. Um, but um, from my earlier days in lit theory, I had a professor I really liked, like an undergrad. And I took a lit theory class. Ended up taking a few classes with him. I I really, he was awesome. Uh, But in lit theory, I was drawn to this idea, the deconstructionist idea of the concept of the horizon, where, you know, these interconnected things, or you don't have, it's not A, B, C, A leads to B, leads to C, leads to D. It's interconnections, and the interconnections in that, really appealed to me and especially because I had you know I had already I knew how to read tarot cards and when you spread out tarot cards you see the cards are in dialogue with each other and and, and and so the rhizome a um I guess graphing of things like seemed to that I, I could understand that and then so even in lit theory I, I really like that idea that these things all things are like these things are interconnecting um, you can't separate necessarily these things and they work together in conjunction, sometimes opposed to each other, but these forces are always in dialogue um, later oh, And this is after aberration, but I, I also read much like back to uh, idea of the dialogic, but that, but that's like later. So my reading can be off here, but like, that's what I took from the rhizome. No matter what you want to say politically, I don't care. Like, all I'm saying is this idea of interconnections struck me through, I guess, with my core. Um, and I, I revisited that at some point uh, during writing of Aberration or just reflected on it. I didn't, like, go back and study dozy or anything, but I I kept reflecting on this idea of the rhizome. Um, furthermore, back, back to the framework that same professor had told me, and this is important. doesn't matter if you favor one theory over another or like, okay, Marxist theory feminist theory, uh, lit- you know, it doesn't matter, but he says you have to be able to think in all of those theories. You're a good theorist mm. who's able to jump, um, at, whether they believe it or not, they have to be able to jump into the different, and like um, jump into the theories and apply them. Um, and a good theorist can jump like that um, because they have a handle on theory. And I'm not saying I'm the best theory student, I'm just saying that idea struck me. Um, and that did influence like, okay, so I don't have to come out with the grand narrative. I can jump from lone wolf to guilty agent to to experimental wolf. So these things are all in dialogue. To you know, like that, I guess influenced how aberration was written, um, and made me realize that that was okay. Um, you know, it. Yeah, that really mm. that really struck me. So. Mm. Now that's before, so now you get, like, Punchin and Dalila and, like, the, the paranoia and the, like, sprawling connections. I'm, like, not, no big conclusion, and that's okay. And I guess, I don't know if that, I can't really talk about my writing style because it's a mess. Like, that just was natural, and if there's an influence, I don't know what it is because I, I don't write as nicely, you know, I don't write as beautifully as, the people I just mentioned, but um, the idea, the ideas that were fueling it and making me understand it's okay um, to not have the definitive anything.
2: No, that's very well said.
0: Hmm.
1: There's a lot of pressure. Like, so what? So what do you say? So what are you gonna do? Like, what's your point? Like, yeah, uh, you know, I'm like, well. I don't know, <laughs> and that's okay. Like I'm just telling you, this is the information, right? Um, but I don't need. Like it, 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 it would be actually, it would be cocky, and uh, huh, pride comes before a fall. It would be cocky of me to claim that, and like those, they, they, they wrote in such, a, they write in such a beautiful way. I don't want me to. feel okay like that i'm not gonna have a big conclusion so okay done i'm done saying that
0: yeah no
2: for sure because like (laughs) with so many of those authors like there is simply not like a neatly concluded narrative there might be like an emotional climax or two but like (laughs) you know yeah just like real life the narrative just continues and yeah
1: it's not a traditional, you know, like plot structure that you're, you know, you're, you're like, you know, climate, right, conclusion, rising action that is like, keeps happening. Um, yeah. And that makes more sense to me. Like you said, like, that is this more like actual how things actually happen. Um, I would say, like, especially with crying a lot for night in particular, I could identify, you know, not as like a housewife in the 60s, you know, like, but in the sense of this woman, is roaming around trying to make sense of things and along the way there's like things that happen that appear to be like signs or at least synchronicities i guess And, and like not understanding but feeling driven um and then finding themselves just through following that drive finding themselves in bizarre and still hard to interpret circumstances like i i i really identified um just with that element of that character
2: um yeah I can imagine I mean I know you are very much like a real person who exists on your own but like in my head I have sort of like an amalgamation of Oedipa Moss and Maxine Tarnow the character from Bleeding Edge like you're some mixture of the 2
1: i <laughs> oh I'm gonna take that as a compliment and like mm-hmm. You're not calling me like. <laughs> I mean, I am like wacky, but yeah, yeah. For sure, for I mean, sure. I felt it, like I or I, and it wasn't like oh, this is who I think I am. It was just I, I could identify it, and that was yeah. a relief. So that was a relief. Like oh, it would be like every other line, and then crying a lot for you. I was like oh my god, it, like I, I can relate here, um, you know. And then there are, as you've covered, the parapolitics of. Of that and gravity's rainbow, it just kept hitting, like, at you know, it just kept hitting on shit that I was like these, like, um, undercurrents of almost the same kinds of mm. things I was looking at, um, through aberration, not to scientists, mind control, um, double agents, triple agents, all, all the shit, like, it was like, uh, it felt like coming home, I guess. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah.
2: <laughs> That's wonderful. Um let's see here. So did we address the structure? I feel like we did. Yeah.
1: Yeah, kind of in the yeah, in the I went I jumped ahead because it's, it's cuz it's all related. Yeah. It's fine but by yeah. me. <laughs> Sorry. One thing I would say is like I do apologize because the book is top heavy and the book was written over a long period of time and then again rewritten, but it like continuously revised maybe. But like um, in the beginning, I think the language is dry. And at that point, and especially in the beginning, I was writing for my professors. But I mean I was writing for myself and I wanted it to like convey, but I also was expected to have a certain voice or tone. And by the end though, I'm just like fuck it. You know, I just <laughs> I think I shed a lot of that. and that's you see, I think in the process. And and it's about the time of the bulldozer assault where the shit mm. really hits the fan that that it then switches over because that's the moment of like complete what the fuckness uh and, Yeah. And, yeah.
2: It would almost be like weird to maintain that tone after something like that.
1: Right. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, that's the would be almost unnatural and um wouldn't do like and then like your footnotes
2: uh, become (laughs) even more jocular which is not to say unprofessional
1: the footnotes are funny because as far as structure is concerned like some of the a lot of those were in the first like in earlier drafts as part of the main but as i had to keep refining it and like refining it refining it like i would I would have to move things out, but I wasn't willing to give them up. Like, so I put them in endnotes. Note, end um, and that's how you get these long end notes. is that, like, I guess I there were certain things I couldn't let, let go.
0: Yeah. Now,
2: separate from literary influences, which I think is fascinating, writing this book, and like, I'm sure you can. Well, you can definitely speak on this better than I can, but like, correct me if I'm wrong, but like writing this book is one of those situations where you're looking at something and then perhaps something is looking back at you, I guess. Now, I wanted to ask, like, uh, trying to track down some of these people would potentially generate some attention perhaps to yourself. Like, what was it like writing a book? necessarily focusing on such a nebulous and shadowy like underworld
1: um it was exciting it was scary it was funny it was (laughs) rewarding it was painful it was scary it was all at a certain point i knew how to do um it was like what i was there for um uh there were, like, a lot, you know, I, there was many ways. What was it like? Well, one time, I did already talk about the Hammer situation, but uh, one thing I didn't say, like, Jesse Trinidad actually found out through, I, I don't know why, some kind of FOIA where it had nothing to do with me, but in the process, he found that the Bureau of Prisons had opened an investigation on me because I was corresponding hmm. with prisoners and talking about information relating to a bombing like he's the one he had told me like that it turns out bureau of prisons opened an investigation on you um so like i don't know like i don't i guess i'm not i don't know what to make of that that was a, a long time ago but like yeah, you definitely you get attention but then i also would try to an extent keep my head down and not you know because if you're if i'm going out i don't necessarily want the world to know what I'm doing until I'm ready to to talk about it and I'm like well, um, I can make it tight um but um um when there's uh, so one time here's here, I guess I don't know if this answers question but here's a, a weird story so I had said that I went to Florida um and my purpose was but because Alphonse stuff is in Florida, so I was going to check that out. But then, mainly, I uh, uh, I had been sitting at, uh, at you know at the coffee shop researching, and all of a sudden, and I was looking into more because I I was working on the second book. This is after Ab- aberration, but it's before aberration comes out. But after I had given over the final manuscript uh, before the fuck up with the first publishing, but so it's all, anyways. I, I went to, I, I was sitting at the coffee shop and I was like looking into Roger Moore and trying to figure something out. And all of a sudden I find an obituary for Roger Moore and, and it, it is the Roger Moore, like the Roger Moore. And like, holy shit, because as far as I knew, like Roger Charles and Jesse, I'd meet, like no, no one was aware that he was dead. Um, and I saved it. And I sent it to them immediately to Roger and Jesse. I'm like, well, I just found like Roger Moore appears to be dead. I go back and the obituary is gone. Like, it is it had been hmm. fucking scraped? I, it had been scraped, but I'm not crazy because I I at least I sent it and I, I have it somewhere. Um, later there would be other obituaries, but at that point, I, I, I booked a, i I'm like I'm going to Florida, so. I wanted to do it anyways, but that was like the inciting incident. So I get down there and uh, talk to some boat building buddies and I go to the properties. And then I make my way to his uh, main property where his mistress still lives. And and by the way, it's by an airstrip. But anyways, I'm, I'm driving up. And, like, I pull up, and it's a gated, like, it's got, you know, it's highly secure, and I pull up to the gate, and across the street, and there's no other houses around, There's a fucking car that had followed me, and, like, I, it's close enough that I can see inside this car, and there's all kinds of equipment, and, like, a man clearly watching me. Now, the only person, people, that knew what I was going to do, like, And this is a regular practice with Jesse trying to do and Roger Charles. Um, And I think I had who have every reason that be like, like it's not, you have to expect that their communications are being monitored. Right. And so by extension, like that's, that's the only way I can explain it other than like there's like someone was psychic because, but so so I get there and there's obviously, and they're not trying to hide it. And it's not the first time this has happened, but it was like well, more, it was unnerving. But uh, oh, it's that same thing. Like, okay, just think about it later. Uh, hi. You know, you kind of wave. The guy's just staring at me, but I, I, um, press the doorbell. And, oh, uh, his mistress, Roger Moore's mistress, <laughs> Karen Anderson comes out. And I'm like, hi, my name is William Painting. Um, I'm a, you know, I'm a researcher and I'm a writer. At that point, I was a teacher. So I got to say like, I'm a history teacher. But I'm like, I just, I was, she, she was okay. She like, she didn't know what was, she didn't appear to know what was coming next because, and I say that because of her reaction. As soon as I said, "Uh, so I wrote this book about Tim McVeigh and, and she stops me like dead. And she's like, Points as if to say, like, get out of here, and she's like, (laughs) Roger Moore has been dead now for you know, whatever it is, like, however long at that point. Um, he's dead, but that was the first time, other than that obituary that just appeared, that there was any confirmation that Roger Moore, in fact, was dead. At that point, I was able to be like, hey, Roger Moore's dead, and and then that was confirmed. Then I I have the death certificate now, but. Mm. But like, um, I don't know, I had to go to Florida to find out for sure that Roger Moore was dead. And it came through this woman screaming at me and like waiting for me to get out while wow, there's a car, a black sedan, obviously watching me. Mm, okay, so what was it like to write the book? Well... That was both exciting, scary, and in retrospect, it makes me laugh. It was funny. Um, (laughs) uh, Being told where bodies might be buried, which has happened now more than once. It's so like There's nothing in my life that prepares me to hear something like that. And so it's just weird, I guess. It was weird writing a book. Having my mail being tampered with. Having um, people at home. Like not that I know, but like clearly watching me and making it extremely obvious. And I'm gonna say that probably sounds crazy, but in every instance I have been able to have a witness to this. So other people know this. Mm-hmm. Like my friends that no one has read my book at home, but like um they do know, they have seen weird circumstances, they know enough to know. I'm not, I guess, completely insane. Like that, these things happen, and they only happen, by the way, when uh, usually when I go out into the field. Like those things happen in the field, and immediately after I come home. Um, like for instance, after I got told about the jolly the Jolly West thing, I come home. And I did a lot of my work at the coffee shop at that time, and this guy, and I would sit in the back usually no one would be there i had like a table to myself and that was my arrangement with the coffee shop for various reasons but this guy as soon as i got home from that trip a guy came and would like sit at a table next to me meanwhile there's like two huge rooms and it's early in the morning he could have sat anywhere he doesn't order anything he sits at the table next to me and faces out like um towards the back window and and he would sit there and, and he'd sit there for hours and this happened five or six times it wasn't consecutive days but it would be like every few days this guy would do the same thing and uh i i would go home and at the time my boyfriend at the time i would be like this fucking dude man i don't understand I'm like i'm creeped out i like this isn't right uh something weirds happening here so <laughs> He shows up again and I, I was like come over he's here he's here now the, the coffee shop is like right near my house so uh, my boyfriend at the time came and witnessed this like he sat there and sat with me and we just pretended like we were small talking and he saw this guy doing this thing he leaves and that guy never comes back again Like, hmm. uh, 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 like he wasn't trying to hide it I don't know what that was about, but I know that it happened as soon as I got back from uh from the Jolly West trip.
2: Oh, that particular trip. Interesting. Oh,
1: right. Like and, and what I'm saying is like when things like that happen um at home, it's usually right after it's oh it's like almost every single time it's been right after I come back from a research trip. Um, which again is another reason for me to be kind of protective as so like uh announcing my plans or other people putting me in danger like I take yeah. it seriously, take it very seriously then um I don't know so it's just weird like a lot of weird things have happened sometimes funny things or sometimes like they're funny and scary and weird all at once.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely. <laughs> yeah,
0: I hear that. Hmm.
1: I don't know. I don't know how else to answer it. Oh, oh, possibly because I still have not answered it, to, you know, in myself.
2: So. No, for sure. Well, okay. How about this? Uh, for any of my listeners who might be considering doing any on the ground type of research. Uh, what sort of general tips would you have for them to make that sort of uh, work easier for them if they were to just uh, get starting out with it?
1: In the beginning, I think publicity like, like, like it is, uh, is somewhat of a safety net, although that later can become a detriment depending on how deep you're going on. Like, um, but I would say you always have at least one person that you trust to let them know what you're doing Mm. Um, and possibly you're redundant with that but that's not to say you tell everyone in your business and you better make sure you can trust who you're sharing information with because it will it I, i it was just a warning the warning is like be careful who you trust because for whatever reasons um, some people will try to monkey wrench you for whatever reasons. It doesn't have to be nefarious reasons. It just happens. But so, but it's important for your safety to have a um, pill switch or like let letting someone know what you're doing. Even if you put it in an envelope and they don't look at it, that you putting yourself in a potentially dangerous situation to leave Mm. a uh, record of that behind just in case Um, that makes any sense. Um, Then. Gosh, I don't, I don't even know. Like, I don't know if I want to take responsibility for it. (laughs) For, for for it. It would be almost a case to case basis, but like I do think it's important that you, don't just like go off in the middle of the desert and not leave behind something explaining where you're going just in case.
2: So it's like serious hiking in a certain sense. Like let someone know where you are and maybe have a buddy.
1: Yeah. But, but, yeah. When possible and when you can find one it you know, yeah. that suits the occasion. Um, uh, be you
0: know
1: i guess like yeah i would be flexible but you also have to have a plan is important um but i don't know crazy and 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 you're gonna be bad company you're just gonna be a rotten miserable person if you don't laugh Mm.
0: um
1: that's not i don't know I talk a lot, I think, about like how important it is to keep a sense of humor. Um but I just if I couldn't laugh, you have to be able to laugh at yourself.
2: <laughs> yeah, as definitely well just, a very real survival tactic, right?
1: I I don't know. Again, I if someone came to me with a very specific um like this is what I'm doing, I might be able to tailor the advice because also everything is different. If you're tra- if you're going in the field and you're talking yeah. to a survivor of a bombing, that's very different than going and talking to um, I don't know, someone that threatens to shoot you. Yeah. I would say have respect for your sources because I don't it doesn't like if somebody tells you their story, and they do it at risk to themselves, I am sorry, but I feel like it falls on you to make sure no harm comes to them because the act of them talking to you, the act of themselves putting themselves at risk it, yeah. is a gift or it's like, you, you now don't put them in harm's way.
2: Yeah, definitely like a trust situation.
1: Also, <laughs> no be careful how you like, interpret your work, like, make sure one piece of data isn't enough to make a broad claim. I mean, I, I don't know, like, that's basic. But um, mm. you need to really interrogate your, your information. But that's not in the field. I guess that's, that's something else. But um, just because someone tells you something doesn't make it true. Also, <laughs> people... People have motives, even even, even survivors of bombings, even victims, of, people have motives for telling stories, even if it's just as a catharsis to help heal themselves, but like be mindful of why is this, why is this person telling you a story, understanding that that's just a story from one perspective, uh, I don't know. Uh, these are things that, that are obvious I feel
2: yeah but it's also one of those things that like it sounds obvious but on the flip side you know like for sure like it's also like a thing you learned i wouldn't say the hard way but like you end up valuing it even more i'm guessing
1: i learned it through the process and i didn't have those Mm -hmm. ideas before and yeah you learn it and i guess yeah you kind of learn it the hard way it doesn't have to be devastating but you learn because you make mistakes
2: yeah so, Wendy, apparently there's more than one version of your book floating around. What's the deal with that?
1: <laughs> well, um, so, I had a, I had this dissertation, right? And then I was like, I'm going to make this a book because it can be, um, I'm not, and it's not done yet. And I did not feel I had completed this thing I was doing. So, so I, so I, I get this, I finished this manuscript and I shop it around and like a uh, feral house offered me a deal, but a trying day offered me what appeared to be a better deal. And based on other books, um, like a terrible secret, the one about Frank Olson uh, um, and some other books, I, I was like, wow, you know, I'm really impressed by this writing, by this editing by this um, presentation of material. Um, and, and I just was, again, I was very trusting. Even though I had done all this field research, I had never, 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 never dealt like with this type of a like book. I've never sold a book, right? Um, and I wanted the book to live and I thought like, okay, well, I didn't even get an agent. I just, I, cut, I made the deal myself, like I signed the contract. So give give over the book and um, um some i get i get signed an editor and i, I think we spoke like twice in several many months many 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 like possibly up to a year i would have to pull out the timeline of this but like a long time went by and i just assumed this editor <laughs> was editing the book um and then one day, I get, um, I get a, actually a phone call saying that that editor had went insane and was um, locked in a like involuntarily committed to mental health facility. Oh. I don't know what I okay like I don't know why. I hope it wasn't my book that did it, but like that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so like that was like what the fuck like. This was, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but this was supposed to, like what? Now what? Like, oh, so many months have gone by. Now what's going to happen? But um, and then I, a new editor was appointed, but this person had no editing experience. I was like, well, what, you know, like, what's the experience? Well, they're literate. But
2: is that what they, is that what they yeah, said? Yeah, that,
1: no, that's verbatim. Like, holy crap. Yeah, no, well, they're literate. They don't, they don't have any editing experience but uh but so like it gets worse okay uh i guess i guess you know like you, you've probably you know i trust you like i guess i trust you publish all these books right but like i did not understand that the editor whose book like the reason i even made this deal was because of books that editor was long gone i did not know that i didn't think to ask either by the way and i didn't have an agent so like you know, there's all kinds of problems that are my fault up to this point. So, um, so okay, so this new editor, whose qualifications are they are literate, is appointed.
2: And can and I just send... say real quick, yeah. like it shouldn't really be on you to like. There should be like, and I know you know this, but it's like you shouldn't have to be suspicious of like, <laughs> like it's not
0: like yeah yeah yeah
1: now i know like now i've i've, I've heard i i like enough people have said like oh they have ed- they have nightmare like they have also had like horrible experiences but my experience wasn't that an editor chopped up or gutted my book because i would have fought i would have fought them like i would you know i would have died before i let that like to gut the book
0: mm-hmm. but
1: what you know like but. Those are the kinds of um, things I hear from other writers sometimes, like uh, editorial nightmares, is that like, oh the whole book was gutted or changed. What happened in my case was a little different, um, yeah, um, but I didn't I didn't understand yet. But um, this new editor sends me the a digital like a word document of my manuscript back. And first of all, I realized that the editor that had went in, in insane or whatever you want to say, I don't want to offend anybody, but the that had went insane, that they had done like really, really, really weird things to the book, like shifting chapters around, like in ways that don't make sense. And it kind of, you read Aberrations, so it's like almost like a Jenga puzzle. If you pull one piece out here, something... Way over there now it doesn't make sense. Like,
2: yeah, like barring some stuff early on in the book, which could maybe be in a different order, like none of the yeah. McVeigh stuff could really be in a different order. Like, it literally could not be.
1: I, I, right. I agree. And, and yeah, there is, and there are, like, there are redundancies I could, I now, like, as I had to read it over for this, like, I like, ah, i do that slightly different book. But, but the meat of it is that. And that's why it was hard, you know, very painstaking to write is because of that Django puzzle type of um, scenario with the information. You pull one thing out over here, it's not going to make sense anymore. So, but what this person had done was to just shock, like weird, like put the shooter section in the middle, you know, like things that don't fucking make mm-hmm. sense. And, it makes and no I was, sense. You no, know, it makes no sense. I. So, but what also happened was when I got this Word document back, it would crash my. It had a virus when I got it back. It, it was like what? overloaded with with a virus, and every time I would go to to uh, like fix something, that like it would crash my computer. And so, like I, <laughs> oh, I can remember those days so clearly. Like I'm, I, I said, "Hey, look, can you?" maybe like send me a, a document that doesn't have a virus because I cannot work with this. And not only I, I copied and pasted it and put it into a different document. And so now my computer doesn't crash, but it, it can, it carries, I'm not a computer guy, but it carries the virus. So my spell check would just obliterate it. Anytime I would open this document, even if I copied and pasted parts of it into a new document, it, it, it retained whatever was fucking happening that it crashed my word processor basically. Um, so I'm like, Hey, Hey, could you just like send me a document that doesn't have all this shit because I can't work. I can't do anything with this. My computer's breaking because of it. But (laughs) this is what I was told. I'm not, this is what I was told. I'm not a computer guy. No, I'm not technical. This is from the editor that's supposed to be editing my book. Like I have to now fix what the first editor did. Working with a document that's riddled with a virus that's crashing my Word, my, my word. every time I open the document, no matter how I do it. I, I even suggest, like, hey, could you just make, like maybe break break it in into chapter sections and we'll deal with it that way because maybe the document's too bigger. I don't know. I've never did this before, but me, oh, I can't do that. Like, would not work with me to this and this problem was coming from their end because um it wasn't coming from my original document that i sent i could still open that and nothing will happen like it was fine um so that was one thing so look it's a big book i type fast i make <laughs> if you've seen me on twitter i make a lot of typos like as i'm typing like i i don't see it. so like there is a lot of shit Uh, A lot of like weird spelling issues, but then also, there was there were strange choices that were made. um, But but I wish I, and I do have it like it's at the bottom foot of my bed or something. But there's um, parts where like the misspellings are so egregious that I didn't even I can compare it to the original document I sent them. Those were not there. Like I did not spell trying day T R I N E D A A A A A A A Like And that's like that I'm just yeah making an example but like they, they 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 and they were embarrassing because I was teaching college at the time I was a history teacher and how like this it 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 to have um just it was every page I had a fucking problem so like scared me because it discredits me but worse it discredits the, the book itself when it inform when it's sloppy like that and um there were so anyways we're going through I basically have to retype from scratch my book but I don't have spell check like it it was a mess and I asked them and I have all the emails like please you know please like help this is not working you're working with a bad document over and over and over again and being told like it's your problem so it became my so it became my problem um i put aside like i lost a lot of work i lost you know a lot of, of the, a huge chunk of time dealing with this which i shouldn't have had to have dealt with but one day i get a proof that like, which is what you have to look at um, and approve and say, like, okay, it's ready to go to print. Well, the proof I got back, I'm given 24 hours to accept this, right? I'm working a job, I like, I have, you know, I'm giving 24 hours of that, and you notice that, that I have to like inspect this. Meanwhile, I have like stuff I have to do for my actual job. So I I looked through it and I saw that um or the, the things that stuck out. I didn't do a fine reading. I didn't. I couldn't run spell check on it because it's like in in a format it doesn't run spell check. But um, there, there's those like stupid things like um, in the middle of the book. There's a picture of McVeigh in the middle of a chapter that really goes in the beginning of the book. Like you know, just there are nonsensical aesthetic decisions that I had time to pick out. I'm like, hey, so they fixed those. And then now I'm coming down to, like, I've got uh, much less than 24 hours to approve this. There's no fucking way I'm going to be able to do this. And that amount of time, it seemed okay. So it goes to print. I get the... It comes out, 2016. Meanwhile, I am, like, obligated contractually to do a bunch of interviews. Then I (laughs) I get a batch of the... Yeah, which yeah those are not there is a couple like that was that was okay you know there's a couple but a lot of them i felt really I, i felt under duress i mean no one had a gun to my head but yeah i felt pressure so so but now i'm doing these interviews now i get a i get finally a copy of my own book oh my god how exciting for me only to fucking realize there's pages missing there's citations huge swaths Pages of citation missing, which if you're me, this is devastating because I'm all I, I want is for this to be credible, right? I, without those, I could be making shit up. Um, there's sometimes some of the books are printed upside down, <laughs> like
2: it's House of Leaves. Really...
1: Yeah, except for right, is that mm. I didn't design it that way? Yeah. I haven't read that, but like I, I'm assuming you need the structure of it, like this.
2: Neither have I. I'll be
0: honest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I would like to someday. I just, you know, I hope I would be a thousand. But no, I don't know. So at that point, as soon as I saw that, I mean, and there were like, I should, I should pull up the notes, but just, I, I immediately was like, what the fuck? Like the book, the book is missing pages. It's missing citations, and I'm told nothing's perfect mistakes happen i'm like there are i mean i think i counted a thousand egregious spelling errors there is i at one point i took my boyfriend at the time we took sticky notes and we went through and every phone and at that point another researcher um also is helping um because the shit hadn't hit the fan there yet but you know every other page i put sticky notes on pages that had like mistakes like issues editorial issues that should never have occurred um the book <laughs> became so big from the post-it notes that I couldn't close it like it was continuous I do still have that copy that I marked up um in case it comes to it but um I had you basically I mean I had I had a fit and I would I want this fixed, and I want it fixed right now. And I was told, well, look, we just, we were working on Sean Stone, Oliver this is funny, Oliver Stone's son's book. And like...
2: A freaking disinfo agent.
1: Okay, okay, so I don't know that much about <laughs> him, but I was just like, what the fuck? Are you telling me that instead of editing my book, or like giving it the attention that is your job to give it, you were busy working on this like 10 page pamphlet or you know i'm, I'm exaggerating <laughs> but are you kidding me uh, and plus like i understand fine it's oliver son's son i have not like i don't know him i haven't read his book i'm just saying um i was literally told i know i'm using literally wrong but that that i'm well i'm sorry we had a we had to deal with his book well then hire a editor, another editor or something like this is your business right but this is my life, so now I'm mad. Um, it's also my reputation as you know, as a researcher because it's fucked up. Um, so so that was one thing. So I was told, yeah, we'll fix it, but it's your problem. Like you have to do it yourself. So I did. So okay, so the the first time aberration is is released, which is they're still circulating. That's April twenty sixteen. I spent the next, I spent April, May, June, July, September, October, seven months or so. I stopped everything I was doing. I stopped, I I like cut down on my work. I, um, all my plans to continue my second book, like that were all in motion, that were like, everything was like moving along nicely. I was still had traction. Um, I, I, everything had to stop because, because I, I had to make sure that aberration was okay. So I did it. I edited <laughs> that book um, for for months and months and months, and, I, and finally, and I got it to where it was supposed to be, and uh, it was re released. At that point, the Kindle edition and all eBooks should have been updated to um to the actual book that I. And go like I approve of that, like you I sign off on. You would think, and I was told, or or since 2016 that they were. However, it's still the bad book. It's still. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm like getting mad, and I don't want to yell, but like I, it's it's mad to think about.
2: I mean, you're valid to be mad. I like, think.
1: I, I have emails, right? I'm not afraid to do them. I've got emails saying, "Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we all fixed the Kindle edition," and yet, into this day, it's still the fucked up version with missing citations. Some, actually, in some cases, like missing chunks of text. I was um, still, I would be like, "Oh, can I have copies of the new book?" I would, I would get like, they, I, I, I would still get books that were being printed upside down and reverse and all, all like an M.C. Escher book, and uh, like, oh, God, so. Right. When I say that I was hurt, that was a big blow. Like, But um, so to this day, that first one, even though it's a matter of probably fucking minutes of fixing the E edition, it still hasn't been fixed. Um, uh, And I was told I was acting like a princess when I told this editor, like, what the fuck? Like, you can't Fixed. I mean, every other page, dude. Are you? Are you an editor or not? Well, no, you're not.
2: Are princesses particularly known for being assiduous in print media?
1: Yeah, right. I've never been accused of being a fucking princess in my life, except for that one time. Which is, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's just okay. I guess. Uh, I'm the princess of really mad. <laughs> Uh, And it was almost like, it's so overloading, like all of that. (laughs) Like it, it, it it exhausted me. Um, But, uh, so now sometimes you can get the right version of the book. And sometimes you don't, sometimes people request directly. I want the correct version and they are, (laughs) um, they receive, wrong version, right? The old version, I think. And now, actually, since that time, I've identified at least three different versions of my book. And okay, so I'm going to say this, the information is the same, as long as you're willing to deal with like, just spelling errors that I didn't even make. Like I have every document I submit, like all the uh, versions of the manuscript I ever submitted. Some of these mistakes were not made by me. Some were. Also, isn't that the editor's job? Um, Very basic, basic stuff. Um, Isn't it your job not to put out a book with missing pages? And how does that even happen?
2: Yeah, I mean, I hate to throw around the phrase, the bare minimum, but...
1: uh... (laughs) To let the book now, look the book's gone, like, has been, like, I don't know how many printings it's had now, like, in all its variations, but... know it continues to have to go to reprint um and the best thing the way i like this is stupid but like the way i can understand this is let's say your job is to sell apples okay and you've got and you're that's it that's your whole job like i'm an apple seller give me your apples i'll sell them um and i will care for them and make sure they're safe and i will sell them you got 10 apples and your stock gets down to about three apples. Isn't it time to get more apples? Or do you run out of apples, sit around until, like, I don't know the person that owns the Grove complains. Because it's um, numerous, numerous times it's been like, hey, uh, I've been being told no one can get my book anymore. Oh, okay, we'll get we'll get more. And it's like, that's you, isn't there a computer problem? Program that lets you know or why why is that okay to let this go up? it just is on business like it's just if you're just a business person like why is if you have something that's selling why how does this happen and this book has sold like like it's had to go to print over and over and over so obviously the stock is going somewhere so i i you know, i don't know that's I don't know if that's out of line like if i'm expecting too much but like just every time i think that the book is uh, um, not accessible it stresses me out because because it does because my my job is to protect this book as i would protect a child
2: yeah no i don't think anyone would say what you said is out of line yeah
1: so like, so the, so I hope so that, so there are different versions. Now, now the meat of the book, the information is the same, but um, there may be citations missing. There might occasionally be a page missing. Um, I, all I, I want the book to remain accessible in print form and, and in e-form both. And I want it to be the right book. Like, um, there's been other times where I'm been like, can I have a copy of my book? I want the the correct one, right? Because I'm out of it. I gave them away or whatever, and I and I get a box of the old ones. To me, meaning those sometimes still get printed somehow because someone can't keep it straight. Yeah, like. And I know I could even, I could probably even get worse. Like, there's stuff I'm just not like coming to mind. I'm just telling you, like, the things right now that are Mm -hmm. on top of my head. Like, I think that I just don't, there's no way to explain how this happened. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
2: So, (laughs) to stay positive, then, uh, so what would, trying to doing right by you look like
1: it would look like um the book and that means the one that i edited after i was told you have to do this yourself and then we'll 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 just use that one that that's the one that gets sold to keep the book in print um which doesn't seem like a lot to ask and to for god's sakes to like make sure that the ebook which is the easiest thing in the world to do is the correct version and stop telling me it's not or stop telling me it mm. is when it's not three times over the course of you know what six years now so or whatever yeah six years or so but you know i don't know that's what that that's what that would have to look like but um we'll see we'll see
2: yeah yeah And then, so, when people ask you where they should buy the book from, Hmm. uh, what is the (laughs) best answer to that question?
1: The best answer is, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm really, really sorry. I can't say for sure. Um, I suggest, it seems like, for the the most part, if you approach Trindate and ask, I want the... um, corrected version of the book that wendy you know, approved uh, authorizes I, I don't know i'll say eight times out of ten you get the correct version so that's your best shot if they even have it at all because every few months it goes like out of stock i amazon is it, it, kind of a crap shoot. i don't know how many of the first are left in circulation so i i don't know
2: well, I will say, like, basically, when I first bought the book, like, I was completely ignorant of the issues, and I got the correct version. So, like sure. you said, more, more likely than not, you'll hopefully get the good version.
1: Yeah, and I think, I mean, hopefully also the, the, the bad ones have, I mean, there's still going to be some out there. Like, someone just told me they got a version on eBay, and I i don't know i'd put money on and that's going to be one of the bad ones but uh from hopefully there's they don't continue to be released into the wild anyways and if they're being sold used that's a bigger chance than if you're buying a new copy which should be the correct version um i i i, I know i just sounded hysterical because I, honestly when i think about it like i I get really fucking mad as, as, as you can tell in my voice and like, yeah, screechy. But, um, you know, I, I wish there was a easier answer for me and it becomes frustrating. Like on Twitter, when people ask, I'm like, I don't know. Um, I don't even know. Um, I forget. Like I, I had a larger point to that, but, um, you know, I'm glad you got the good, the good book, but Oh, yeah, right, right. 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 So the book, You know, the information is the same. It's just there are things and typos that are not my fault that are, like, really, really, really weird. Or some things where you should have citations that that I might make a crazy claim. Well, now you can't find the citation. Like, that might happen in the bad version. But the story is the same. The information is the same. There's one little thing that is different, and that's how I can tell the books apart. And it's the uh, the cauldron of hate. So this, so like I said, like uh, people complain, like oh, the editor changed my whole book and everything. This is a really weird um, way to tell what book you have, and and as far as I can tell, it it's probably the only thing that was like changed and like that I did not write. Uh, okay, so. We're talking right before the epilogue um, on the very last page of McVeigh's imperceptibly binding chains. And there's a paragraph that starts underneath the surface of McVeigh's life story as told by him and others. And like towards the middle of that paragraph, you get to a sentence and it says in all, it is in all its details and variations, a story about expendable people a story that just doesn't make sense. It, it's supposed to say it doesn't make sense. And that's like actually like the point of that whole paragraph, I guess, and encapsulates it. But it, for whatever reason, in the bad book, and I did not write this, it said, it is a story about people in a cauldron of hate. Um, so, the, <laughs> so that's the cauldron of hate version and the, the good version, that um should be on page five one four and it should say a story that doesn't make sense, not a story about a cauldron of hate. I'm not saying there's not hate involved. Obviously there's hate involved, but like that line itself just kind of ruins the whole point I'm making because in the preceding paragraph it's talking about stories that don't make sense. So yeah.
2: You know, that well known phrase, cauldron of hate, that just rolls off the tongue.
1: Yeah, that I don't I don't, I like, I guess who, like, whoever <laughs> made that decision, like, they, I, I don't get why that decision was made, but they're, at least they're illiterate. At least, <laughs> at least they spelled hate <laughs> right. You know, maybe I'm a bitch, okay? But I will, um, it's in my power like in as long as i can scream and yell or whatever i i will make sh- try to make sure it's whatever it takes to make sure that um that this book in its proper form survives
0: i don't
2: think anyone's going to call you a bitch for <laughs> wanting the bare minimum from a publisher
1: In my mind, like, I might have died, like, right after, you know, like, I, I, the the stakes were really high, I just sunk everything I had, Mm -hmm. and sacrificed a lot, and, like, years and years, and relationships, and time, and, okay, I don't even want to talk about the money part, like, debt, the debt that it took to write this book, like, and that's okay, I'm okay with all of that, as long as the book is, like, what i agreed on right and you know like you you have a family you're not gonna hand your family over to someone that's gonna like mutilate them
3: Mm -hmm. um,
1: or put them in harm. heart i I know it's not fair like it's not your family right but i'm just saying i have that protective instinct with this book
0: yeah i
2: can't even imagine something like this happening i would be so freaking mad (laughs)
1: You know, all I can do is scream and yell and be a bitch about it. Like I don't, you know, I'll whatever I'll, I'll, whatever I have at my disposal. If I think that there's like the shenanigans are ongoing, including my public voice, that I guess I kind of have now, I will use it. Um, so yeah, I yeah. will that's the long answer to your question, and I apologize for getting so worked up about it it's like uh now you, you see my trigger
2: <laughs> well what i will say to be politic to be nice is check out my thread on trine day on twitter to learn more
1: <laughs> i uh yeah that was the one, a thing where i was, like when i first got on twitter i was like oh my gosh um yeah i had seen that and i was like wow it was like a sense of almost relief like okay somebody you know and I guess you were nice like you were not
2: yeah I was trying to be nice
1: yeah (laughs) yeah you know I don't know. I understand as a small publishing company, right? I don't expect perfection, but what happens with my book isn't like a couple mistakes. Yeah. It it isn't like that. I mean, other researchers who I, I won't name, but like they are very familiar like with the first edition and like the process of having painstakingly having to fix every other line with the weird stuff. Like, okay, here's a funny one. Like Hitler right h-i-t-l-e-r <laughs> in in the uh, first version and then sometimes even in the second in, even in the supposedly corrective version in the index it says a Aldolf hitler l
3: <laughs>
1: right that's as a history teacher that looks real bad for me and like that's (laughs) something that i had to keep fighting to get fixed like why can't you just fix it to say adolf why not
2: it's just like baffling to the point where you're like how could it have ever happened and like why
1: yeah 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 um and you know I don't know. Like I, I, I don't want to be like a sob Like there was a lot of things that led me to kind of like disappear for a while, right? Um, that was the first blow uh, that really knocked the, like, my breath out. You know, it was like literally being punched in the sun continuously for a while.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, to that end, actually, what was it like being on coast to coast? Am.
1: Oh gosh. Oh. Wow, that, that question now seems so, like, small <laughs> in comparison to everything. We've talked about over 18 hours, but um, well, that was, uh, that was funny. Like, great. So I'm not the best public speaker. Like, I, 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 I kind of have a – I don't have the most – I have a PhD, but that wasn't – I wasn't supposed to. Like, I wasn't born in the circumstance. So, like, most people that get to that level have parents that, like, also are educated. But, like, that's not – where I come from I dropped out of school at 15 okay like so and I still I think my uh I talk that way like I'm not polished I'm not fancy but uh so I've never like I've always been um it's been hard public speaking is hard I used to drag a friend of mine on or the former research partner on to do interviews with me before that reason a lot of anxiety but like so I go I'm told I'm given less than 24 hours you're going on coast to coast it was like less than that it was more like 12 hours going on coast to coast tonight and it had been like out the night before not expecting any of this thought it was like gonna be a day off and i'm like shit because that's a big show right like the biggest i have to go- so me is was like i knew there were a lot of people who were gonna hear this um and uh I was stressed out I hadn't slept I was like exhausted fatigued just probably hungover right and now you you have this many hours you're going on coast to coast tonight so no sleep for me um and I I get on and like uh I just it's just funny like I didn't know how to use Skype like I I just hadn't used Skype my kid how to show me how to use Skype right before, but, like, there were some technical issues where I asked some questions, like, well, wait, what's going on? And the producer, whoever they were, like, berated me, insulted me, like, what are you, he didn't say stupid, but was like, what's wrong with you? Like, just berated me, and I started to cry. I'm kind of, (laughs) I can cry. I started to cry, and as the recording, like, went on, as they start recording, I'm, like, still struggling, holding, I'm, like, crying, i'm trying to suck it in buttercup but like i'm yeah i'm like uh, I'm, i'm crying because i've just been berated and i'm stressed out so like that's my funny close close story um but that show just going on that opened me up to receiving many emails written by crazy people <laughs> um like hey uh michael jackson's father locked me in a basement and he was wearing jack ruby shoes and you know just insane uh kind of fan mail um but i don't know maybe that's not the great the greatest story it doesn't i don't even care if it gets goes in or or goes out but that's (laughs) the whole thing was like i was berated and started to cry and like i don't I guess that was that might have been that might have been the last interview i ever did actually it was done mm. meanwhile i i knew that like i'm not promoting a book that isn't the book it's supposed to be so i don't yeah now
2: no, mm. that does make a much like that gives so much more context to becoming a reclusive author which i guess you were at one point
1: yeah, and that might have continued um, had not Roger Charles died, um, at which point, and the other factor in, in that was that um, I had been told that people on Twitter had read my book, and I'm like, what? And then uh, and, that, and I kept hearing that, and then I got on, and, mm-hmm. and it felt good to see. Like, like but also when Roger Charles died, um, Oh my God. I cried for over a month. Like I sobbed. I, I just, I was a mess of it. Just, I think I've had close relatives die that I didn't have that kind of reaction with, I mean, not that I didn't care, but like this struck me because I could always trust him. I could always share things with him. If I was in a dangerous situation, even if I had a companion with me, I would always check in with him, you know? Um, and I, I felt like, um, all right, I can't, I can't, I, I'm being almost like a sense of if I don't continue, I'm dishon- I'm. I'm just, disre- it's disrespectful of me. Like I have to engage now because he's not here to engage. Like I can't mm. just rest, I don't know but it was those factors anyways i had some kind of feeling like um i was i needed to engage again um there is a comfort and anonymity but there is also like the support that you other people and those people know who they are because i don't like message with a lot of people and those i have like, and know who you are, like that support has been instrumental, mm. like and just me coming to terms, like I, I don't know, with all everything I just told you about, and more.
0: Yeah, definitely. My God, <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. For what? I don't. I don't know. I just feel like I. <laughs> i feel like i've talked a lot and like I've, I've just like run off at the mouth and i feel stupid
2: no nah, no nah, it's all been great stuff i did want to say for the listener's sake i am over the moon with how much i got to record with wendy i will say full disclaimer <laughs> I was not planning on it being this long. I wouldn't <laughs> dream of asking this much time from her. She was incredibly gracious to give me so much time. Like, I am very appreciative of you for spending so much time with me to discuss
0: your wonderful book.
1: Oh well, no, thank you. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. Um, and thank you, thank you. It's a relief to know. There's some there's some people out there that get it that get what I was trying to do in mm-hmm. in aberration or find it at all worthy of talking about and um uh yeah thank you um and also I didn't plan on this either like I am quite surprised
2: <laughs> <laughs> like I'll say this okay first I know this is at the end of a long series so. By now, people are probably already pretty sold on the book, but A, I wish I had read this book a long time ago. Like, I, <laughs> I wish I would have read this book in 2016. It would have saved me a lot of time and effort in understanding how the world works. Um, I would say for the listeners, you should buy the book. Chances are you'll get the good version, but even if it's not, like we said, like the information is still the same and so forth, so you should buy it. Uh, And then also, you can follow Wendy Painting on Twitter. Her handle, I'll put it in the show notes, but it's at (laughs) birdwendy2. Yeah, and I can't change that, right?
1: But yeah. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. And then also, to fund her upcoming research, uh, she has set up a coffee. For those who don't know what coffee is, it's essentially... Like a little GoFundMe type of thing where you can basically donate, you know, the cost of a cup of coffee or, you know, more than that for sure as well. And if you've enjoyed hearing about all of this for nine to oh, I don't know, 20 hours or so, Mm -hmm. isn't that worth at least a cup of coffee? This is what I would ask to all those people listening out here. Chip in. You want that second book? It'll happen sooner if you donate to her coffee. That's what I would say. She's too bashful to ask herself. So
1: that's true. Yep. Thank you. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um. No. Oh. If it's not obvious already, like whether through our conversations or uh, these things that you end up using. Um, for your show like this has been a very cathartic from start to finish from mm. the moment we agreed to do this until now like it all of it has been very cathartic uh, for me and helped me so yeah so you should listen to jimmy's show <laughs>
0: <laughs> thank you. and
1: support jimmy's work because she's who no one uh, yeah thank you nope
2: Many are calling me the anti Coast to Coast AM. Just That's
1: kidding. not a bad Steven. thing. Well, uh, yeah, well, yeah. well <laughs> If if I've cried, it's been like not because you made me cry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but also, no. You, I mean, you're. I think like you're for the. I don't know. I think. Mm, I don't want to tell you a dick, but like, your show is very intelligent. And someone that wants like simple stories and simple <laughs> narratives and um, easy to understand and digest things. I can see how that might be a computer issue, might be like a brain overload, but mm-hmm. I- I'm eating it up. It's like, it's not like being back in school. Almost. I'm like, oh, it's in it already. Um, As we talked about with some of the elephant doors, elephant stuff like it. I'm learning and like I I think it's an educational show um so I I recommend it to anyone as long as they're willing to engage on maybe um complex situations and scenarios.